We have been the last several Sundays uh, on a series uh, entitled Mission is Possible. That's why you saw that video up there. And we took a little break last week with uh, Jessica and the rest of the children's ministry as they did their VBS Sunday. Um, and uh, so I, I know that there was a great time had by all, but we're going to take this Sunday and next Sunday and finish it up next Sunday. We've been going through why does the church exist? Why are we here? Why do we come on Sunday mornings? Why does the Big C Church exist in the world today? And we've looked at the first Sunday, we looked at the church existing through, uh, there's really five reasons why the church exists based on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. First one being worship. Worship is, is something that is a vertical relationship that we have with God, and worship makes us stronger in our love for Jesus. And out of that vertical, then we can go out to the next one, which is ministry or service. We've kind of talked about and defined these things, and you can go back to the, uh, to the website, our Connected Faith website, and listen to these messages in its entirety to kind of catch up to uh, where we are today. But ministry or service was the second one, and that makes us broader in our love for our neighbors, those outside of the four walls of the church, as well as those inside uh, in, in our gatherings. And then we looked at, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at evangelism, and evangelism is making us larger in our love for the lost. It's also another horizontal sort of outreach and telling people about the good news. You just heard the good news of the gospel in our time of communion this morning. And so today, we're going to take the fourth purpose, and that is fellowship. As you see on the graphic, mission is possible, the, the purpose of fellowship. And fellowship makes us warmer in our love for one another. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, it seems like lately, in the last maybe years, and it feels like it's really ramping up in the last, even the last few months, there's been a lot of violence lately in our world. And it's not just these big wars that are uh, happening in different places, but I'm talking about like one-on-one -on -one with people. You see people are being really mean to one another. You, know, you see these videos of people like at the subways in New York City and other places uh, where they have these cameras set up, and some total stranger just pushes someone else, slaps them in the side of the head, knocks them out, pushes them into the trains. I mean, just hateful violent stuff, uh, stealing and looting stores. You saw that that took place a week or so ago in, in California where they just have no regard, just in a, in a violent way, stealing stuff. There's random shootings that are taking place, mass shootings, fights at kids' ball games, for crying out loud. Come on, people are fighting over if Johnny scored the goal or not. There's social media yelling, there's angry words taking place. It's just a lot of hateful, angry, violent things going on. Have you noticed it? You see, the church should be an escape from all this. It should be a model of Christ-like love for the world. It should be a place of rest and help and love and warmth of friendship centered on Jesus Christ. And by and large, the church is doing a pretty good job with that. There's certainly places in the body of Christ where we need to work on it, but I'm not here to throw the church under the bus whatsoever. I'm still thankful for the church of Jesus Christ. It's a place where we can come and be loved and be uh, appreciated and grow in our relationship with the Lord. So um, I, I want to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Again, this is our text that we've been looking at the last several weeks as a reminder of what it is that the church, why the church exists. If you're with me, and the, the, the words are on the screen as well, but if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, says this. They, being the church, the newly birthed church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a lot of fellowship that was going on in the newly birthed church as we just read. And when it was kind of play it out in the chapters following, you'll see what I'm talking about as you read the book of Acts. But is our version of fellowship that we're experiencing today in the church different than what they were experiencing back then? That's what we need to compare it to and make sure that the, the pattern and the model that was established back then, how are we doing with that today? I want us to look and see what the Bible says about what true fellowship is and how we can live it out in our walk with Christ uh, and with one another. So as I've done every week, let's first define what fellowship is. Now, fellowship is kind of a broad sort of word again. It's kind of a, it could be defined in different ways. It's a lot of people hanging out with one another in a particular place with a common interest. That's fellowship. You think about maybe people that gather together at bars, people that gather together at sporting events, people that gather together at parties. Everyone is there to have a good time, to root for the home team, or to maybe celebrate a special occasion. That's a form of fellowship. Some people might even say that a fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. And okay, I'll give them that. Any two people hanging out for the same purpose is, in essence, a fellowship. So loosely speaking, any gathering of two or more is a fellowship, but what makes the church fellowship unique? What makes what we do here today unique? Well, I can tell you this, that we're not gathering here for a temporary thrill and we're not gathering here today for something that's going to be gone here today and gone tomorrow. The church's fellowship is centered on the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal God of everything seen and unseen. So in that sense, as we define fellowship as it relates to the church, fellowship is defined this way. It is an intimate sharing of our lives together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what true fellowship is, is an intimate sharing of our lives together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, write that down. Keep that up there for just one moment so they can write those words down. So how are we doing with that fellowship as it's defined in just a moment ago? Now, I hear a lot of people talk about faith, our gathering, and I'm so thankful, by the way, for this that we're in particular a very friendly church. Folks that are visiting here, if I call them up, if they're nice enough and take the trouble enough to fill out a, a, a visitor's card, I'm going to give you guys a call and say thank you for coming. And invariably, I'll hear people on the phone say, I'll tell you what, you have a very friendly church. So I applaud you for that. Thank you for your friendliness and for just being open and kind and not being, you know, cold and indifferent or, or, or aloof. Thank you for engaging. That's so important. Uh, I'm so thankful that we like each other here. And I agree, by the way, with that assessment that the people uh, that tell me about that, that, uh, that we are very friendly. So uh, I'm just glad we're not a bunch of sourpusses. Oh, wouldn't that be awful? But let me ask you this. If I were to ask you, this is an individual question that I'm asking you as if I was standing in front of you one-on-one -on -one right now. Do you know 90% of the church people by name? It's kind of a tall order. What would you say? That's nine out of 10 people. Do you know them? It's pretty good. It's really good, in fact. Maybe that's too high of an order. How about 50%, maybe five out of 10 people? 
How about three out of 10? How about one out of 10? Do you know anybody in this church? Do you know anyone by name? What if I ask you, do you interact with anyone outside of the Sunday morning service? What would you say? Yes? No? If you were in need, here's another one. If you were in need, would you know of at least three, four, five people in the church that you could reach out to and say, I need prayer, I need help, I need ministry. I, I, can you just pick up the phone and call somebody? You know, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you this. Some of us are not that outgoing. We just heard from Joyce. God bless you. Joyce, I know that was a difficult thing for you to do that video because I know you like, you're, you know, you're just a very private and shy person. And I just so am thankful for that testimony that you gave. And God bless you for that. I know that took a lot. But some of us, yeah, let's give her a hand for that. Thank you, Joyce, for that. That was powerful, really touching. You know, some of us, though, are not that outgoing. We can never do a video like that. Uh, or maybe we can't really approach someone, you know. Or maybe, maybe we're introverts. Maybe we like our privacy. Maybe we don't want to trouble anyone. Maybe we're insecure. Maybe we really don't want anyone to know our business, our struggles, our true selves. Or maybe we're just really, really busy. Maybe we're just really, really tired. Or we think nobody would really want to hang around with us for whatever reason because we're not lovable people, we're not approachable people, we're not fun people, whatever. We just excuse a lot of stuff away. I don't know what might be keeping you from having a more intimate relationship and fellowship with those that you're seated around today. And by the way, this is going to be a very interactive message today, so get ready, don't get too comfortable. But let me encourage you to consider the opportunities that God has placed before you with the gifts that are in the sanctuary today. So as we look around, in fact, I want you to look around for just a moment, and I want you to realize two things. Look around. You don't have to look at me. Just look around at people. Make eye contact. Nod at them as they nod at you, wave, whatever. But if you have to crane your neck around, if you have to stand up and look. But I want you, as you're looking at people, I want you to know, I want you to realize something. Those people that you're looking at are gifts from God to you. Keep looking, because I'm not finished yet with you looking around. Those people that you're seeing right now are gifts from God to you. But guess what? You are also God's gift to them. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that because maybe you might be insecure. You might be feeling like you're not worth a lot or you have nothing to offer. But you're not a mistake. You're God's gift and you have just as much to give as you do to receive from this body of believers. That's what makes fellowship really, really work. You have a lot to offer because God has made you unique. And God has made you vital. Just like the person that you looked at just a moment ago. All of your abilities, all of your experiences, all of your knowledge... All of your giftings are needed in this church and they're needed in God's kingdom. Don't discount it. Don't diminish it because God has you here and has put in your life what you need in order to make a difference in our fellowship and for the kingdom of God. By the way, that's why our Life Together groups are so very important. Because you see, these groups created this intimate and relaxed time of sharing as we gather around some of us food, some of us activity, some of us we revolve around God's word, different sort of things that we do. And we open up our hearts 
And we develop friendships that are centered on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's our commonality. The kind of fellowship God has designed for us to enjoy is not impossible. In fact, it's possible as we make ourselves available to be friends with others who share a common love for Christ and His kingdom. You've heard the old adage that says, in order to make a friend, you have to be a friend. Sometimes that's hard for us, I know, because there's insecurities, hurts, put up the walls. But man, the Lord wants us to share that commonality that we have in Christ so that we can be all that He's called us to be in, the, in this intimate and powerful fellowship of believers at faith. So there's three truths about fellowship that I'd like for us to embrace this morning. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three things that are based on God's Word that I hope will maybe help all of us, you particularly, to move deeper into times of authentic life together in Christ Jesus. The first one is this. Fellowship is founded on faith. A lot of F's there. Fellowship is founded on faith. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says, We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So you see the order. I'm telling you about Jesus. This is what we've seen and heard. Because we want you to be part of this same fellowship. And what is that fellowship? It's with God the Father and it's with His Son, Jesus Christ. As we look around today in this sanctuary, I think it's safe to say that we all have a love for Jesus. Why would we be, why would we be here otherwise? That one thing alone creates a common bond between us. Our love for Jesus. How many loves Jesus this morning? See the commonality that we have in Him? He's our common denominator. Amen? There's this sameness in our lives. And it's not based on who we are. It's not based on what we've done. It's not based on anything else but on whose we are. We belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? That's our common bond. And that's, that common bond, by the way, is eternal in nature. It's not going to fade away when we die. It's going to be forever. It'll never change. It'll never go away. And that's really what John was saying when he wrote this. Our fellowship is with Jesus. It's founded upon Him. It's centered upon Him. And it revolves around Him. In the Garden of Eden, mankind had perfect fellowship with God, but sin broke that fellowship, so Jesus came to restore it. We see in 1 Timothy 2, 5, that for there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, and that man is who? Jesus Christ. He's our common denominator. Through Christ Jesus, we have restored an intimate fellowship with God. Remember, that's our vertical fellowship, our vertical worship, our vertical relationship. And so that means our fellowship with God is through Jesus vertically, but then our common fellowship with one another is in Jesus horizontally. It's only in Jesus that we can have authentic and meaningful fellowship with one another. Ephesians 4 verses 4 and 5 says it this way. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's all in Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ and in fellowship with one another in Christ. I, I want you to think about it this way. If you've ever opened up a bag of M&Ms, you see the various colors, don't you? Some, some of you like the red ones. Some of you like the brown ones. You know, some of you like the green ones, the blue ones, orange ones. Everybody has their favorite color. They all look different on the outside, different colors. 
But I bet you if you buy it into one of those, no matter what color it is on the outside, you realize that they're all the same on the inside, aren't they? That luscious, delicious chocolate, that rich, yummy, melts in your mouth and out of your hands sort of chocolate. That's what makes an M&M different than a Skittle, by the way. It's what's on the inside. By the way, how many wants an M&M right now? Yeah. All of a sudden, your mouth started to work. It's like, I don't know why. I'm going to go get me some M&Ms later. I don't know what's going on. I should just hand them out right now. Can you, can you hand them out, the M&Ms? I'm kidding. We don't have M&Ms. <laughs> All right. So the same is with us, you see. As we look around, we see different skin colors. We see different hair colors. Those of us, of those of us who still have hair. <laughs> there's different ages. There's different sizes. There's different genders, there's different nationalities. We're all different on the outside. We're all looking, this, all looking different on the outside. All of us are unique and wonderfully made as God made us. And he makes no junk. He makes no mistakes. He's, he doesn't make any accidents. But inside, if you were to open us up, we're all filled with Jesus. We're all the same on the inside. Jesus lives in us. That's what makes us all Christians and not anything else. Right? We're not Skittles. We're M&Ms for Jesus. We're all the same on the inside. And the fellowship that we have in church affords us the opportunity to grow into what we've rooted and built ourselves into. Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7 says it this way. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Really what this is saying is, is that we're rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. And since we are, and as we are rooted and built up in Him, we can do life together, strengthening our faith together, and then therefore be fruitful in Christ Jesus a tree that's rooted and built up as a healthy tree. And it's a tree that will produce fruit. If you find that maybe you're struggling in that way, then maybe you're not rooted and built up in Christ Jesus. You're not engaging in the fellowship as you need to. I tell you what, it's so important to not stray away. You see these uh, documentaries, uh, a lot if you've ever watched these documentaries, in, like in Africa where these lions are out there and they're trying to get their prey, their lunch, and they have these gazelles, and the gazelles, they travel in big packs, don't they? Because there's safety in numbers. But the lions that circle around them, and they're looking for that one person, that one gazelle that's just kind of weak, slower, older, whatever the case may be. And they'll identify that weak one and separate it out from the pack. And the next thing you know, they've had a good lunch at the gazelle's expense. It's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to separate us out. He looks for your weakness. He looks for the, whatever he can do to, to carve you out of the fellowship of the body of Christ. And once he gets you there, he'll isolate you and he'll steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let that happen. Our fellowship is so important to be rooted and built up in Jesus Christ, to come together having fellowship with God through Jesus and having fellowship with one another in Christ Jesus. Our fellowship is founded upon our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Secondly, this leads us to our next truth about what authentic fellowship is and that is fellowship feels like family. 
A lot of F's there too. Fellowship feels like family. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, we just read that. It describes an environment where there was this closeness to the people in this newly birthed church. They, they weren't necessarily actually blood family, but they were just like family in so many ways. So let's talk about that for just a minute. What does a family look like? We're all coming from a family. Well, let's talk about what a family looks like. First, a family is a place where needs are met. A family is a place where needs are met. In a healthy, loving family, you can count on them to step up in times of need to help, to provide, to encourage, to support, to comfort. I'm so thankful for healthy families. And you may not come from a healthy bloodline family, but you are part of this family. And so where you may not have had it modeled in your blood family, <laughs> you're certainly having the opportunity to be encouraged and supported and comforted and strengthened provided for in this family. I don't know of anyone who doesn't need some of these things at one time or another. No one is an island to themselves. And again, you may not have that in your blood family, but you can absolutely find it here in this church family, I promise you. Church, uh, let me just say, as the family of God, we're called to love one another. We're called to support one another. We've been instructed to provide and to help and to strengthen one another. We are expected, God expects us to protect and comfort those around us. That's what the body of Christ, the family of God, the fellowship of believers is all about. I know you'd want that in your life. Sounds good, doesn't it? But please understand again that the gift that you are to those around you to do the same, as much as you'd want to be comforted and encouraged and strength and supported, he's placed that in you to be able to do the same. What of you, what in you, what about you can you give to meet a need? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about encouragement. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about whatever you can do to provide help and support in someone's time of need in the body of Christ. Who has the Lord put in your heart to reach out to in this congregation that you've neglected to do up to this point? You see him again here today and you think, I know I need to give that person a call. I need to invite them out to lunch. I need to encourage them with a, a handwritten note. I need to pray for them. I know there's something I need to do. I've just neglected it because I'm busy. I'm insecure. I'm whatever. I feel unqualified, whatever the case may be. But we've neglected it up to this point. Who is it that the Lord has put in your heart that you haven't done that particular, reached out to them in that particular way? Maybe this week is the week. Maybe now is the time. Maybe this bit of encouragement will prompt you and prod you into moving in that direction. You see, fellowship is more than just a good laugh around a hamburger. And I tell you what, there's nothing more I love than, than a good hamburger and a good laugh around it, right? Just having a good time, right? <laughs> Right, Lorenzo? I mean, we have a good time, man. But it's also stepping up to be the hands and the feet and the mouth and the heart of Jesus to others in their time of need. What is it that we can do? It really is a sacrificial giving of yourselves, but isn't, by the way, isn't that what family's all about? Yeah. And we are family, aren't we? So first, family's a place where needs are met. Second, family's all about membership. You see, when you were born into a family, you are an automatic lifetime member. Like it or not, you're born into that family that you're born into as a bloodline. You've heard the saying, this is blood is thicker than water. And this speaks to the tight-knit nature of family. Blood sticks together. 
in healthy families. And we're a family. We're the family of God. As a born-again believer, you're an automatic member of the family of God. I, I, I just, I remember this song, and I think you might know it, and this might be a good time to uh, sing this song together with us. If you don't know it, I'm going to sing it through a couple of times, and you can join in the second time around. If you do know it, help me so I'm not singing a solo. It says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm a part of the family, the family of... Sing it again. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of... Washed in the fountain, I've been washed, cleansed by his blood... I'm cleansed by his blood. Join heirs, join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm a part of the family, the family of God. Oh, in harmony. I love that. Thank you. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, Just as a body, the one has many parts. But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. My body has many parts, yours does as well. And all my parts are part of my body, it's not part of some other body. This hand belongs to this body, not some other body. And there's nothing I can do about it, really. I've chosen to embrace my body. Can I improve on some things in my body? Yeah, I can improve on some things. But I'm a wiser man to not reject what God has blessed me with and learn to love and take care of my body. Same as with the body of Christ, by the way. There are some parts that need improvement. In fact, we can all use improvement. But we're not going to reject parts of the body just because we don't like it. No. We're all members and we all have a part. We all have a role to play in this beautiful gift that we are to each other. And by the way, can I just give a quick advertisement here. You saw it on the screen just a moment ago, but if you feel like faith is your family and you love this church and this is your home church, how about joining the church in membership? We're going to have this membership class on Sunday, September the 24th at 8.30. It's going to be the admin building in the Crossroads uh, Children's Church room there. And uh, a sign-up sheet is in the lobby, so I hope you'll avail yourself of that. Um, I just, I don't know, if you maybe want to take that next step and make things feel a little more official, say, I'm going to join faith. But, but whether you join the church officially or not, you're still part of this family. But stepping into membership just feels like it cinches it up. So I hope, hope to see you there. So family is a place where needs are met. We talked about that. That's a family. Second thing is family is a place where we are a member. Then thirdly, a family is a, something that, a, 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 it's an entity that loves unconditionally. A family loves unconditionally. If you know... If something were to happen to, again, my hand here, let's just, my right hand, it's a pretty important part of my body, yours as well if you're right-handed, left if you're left-handed, very important parts of your body. Say, say my hand got stuck somewhere, say it got stuck in a, in a, in a, in a trapped in a hole and I, cu I couldn't get it out, I mean, it's just locked in there. Do you think that the rest of my body would say, ah, just leave that hand there, it's okay, we can live without it? No, I think the rest of my body would respond in kind and from the top of my, to the tips of my toes to the top of my head, all of my body would be drawn to the attention of figuring out how to get that hand 
out of that trap that it's in. I am not going to have this, this hand, if I can at all help it, be disconnected from, my, from the rest of my body. The rest of my body is going to respond. It's going to rally around it. That's what family does, by the way. We rally around those that get stuck. Those that get stuck, we're here to help them get unstuck, right? Why? Because we love them as a family unconditionally. We're there to help in any way that we can. Now, I know that for some of us, it seems like most of the time, the stuck are stuck because of their own doing. And we may look at them and say, well, that's, that's their problem. They did it to themselves. But sometimes people don't get stuck because of their own doing. They get stuck because of stuff that just happens because life happens, doesn't it? So instead of us saying, I told you so, and stating the obvious that they're in a pickle, maybe we need to step in and do something about it. Family steps in and does what they can do, whether the mess is of their own doing or something done to them. And yeah, I know people mess up. And I know people irritate us. People will disappoint us. But church, we've got to keep loving. We've got to keep helping. We've got, we, we've got to keep being family. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. I like that part that he just says at the beginning, above all. In other words, it's at the top of the list. It's the motivating factor. It's the driving force. It's the unconditional love of Christ. Above all. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, actually, there's two. It's love God and love others. He could have said anything, but he said, love God and love others. Jesus said, love is above everything. The love of Christ. We have opportunities all the time, church, to love others right here in this room. In a healthy family, love covers and navigates everything. Some are easier to love than others. I get it. But as a family, we must love with the love of the Lord. Can we sing another song? We're going to do it anyway. But instead of us singing to me, I want you to sing it to someone. And you don't have to get up, but I want you to turn, to, turn your head and sing this to someone because it directs, the lyrics direct us to a person. It says, oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. Turn to someone. Yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you. I can see in you the glory of my King. And I love you with the love of the Lord. Now, you turn to someone that was easy to sing to. I want you to do someone's... No, I'm kidding. Because then you're going to say, well, I'm not... No, no. Anyway, we need to sing that to everybody, don't we? Not just those that it's easy to sing to, but those that it's even harder to sing to, all right? But that's the part of the, the, part of the love we're talking about. It's the love of the Lord. It's not my love, because my love is limited. My love is conditional. My love hangs certain qualifications to it. But the love of Jesus is unconditional, and I can love you with the love of the Lord, if I so choose. And I hope that you so choose that we would love one another. Now, I know it's harder to see the glory of the king in some others, in some more than others, but the glory of the Lord is there in that person. Have you ever seen that movie, Peter Pan with Robin Williams, back in the, I think, early 90s? It reminds me of this scene that's in there. Now, Peter Pan, let me give you a backup, so some of you might know the Peter Pan from the Disney era, but this particular version of it has Peter Pan 
going out of Never Never Land. He's grown up. He's got a family, and he's grumpy. He's frustrated. He's kind of lost his sense of wonder. He's no longer the Peter Pan that he used to be when he was a young boy. And in the course of events, as you watch the movie, he got back to Never Never Land. But to him, it was not a familiar place. It was a foreign land. And so in the, in the course of time, the lost boys were there and they were tasked with helping him remember who he was. And there was this pivotal scene. One of the boys grabbed Peter's face and he moved it around and he pulled it back and he squunched it. And he said, oh, there you are, Peter. Maybe that's what we need to do. I'm not going to ask you to scrunch up someone's face sitting next to you. <laughs> Although that would be really fun. But we won't. Or we might. No, we won't. But you know, maybe we've gotten so far off course that we've lost the wonder of serving Jesus. We've gotten grumpy. We've gotten hurt. We've lost our way. Our love for Jesus has become unrecognizable to others. Jesus is harder to see maybe in some because of all that stuff, but I promise that Jesus is in there. We just need to let him clean that stuff away and get us back to the wonder of who he is. And we can help one another in that way. That's loving others unconditionally in that way. You know, maybe for us who've kind of in that place where the grown-up Peter Pan was, we've ended up feeling lonely as we've drifted off course and maybe we do feel kind of, we're not alone, but we certainly are lonely. But there's no need to feel lonely and alone. Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. God has set you, O lonely one, in this family, in this body of believers. Isn't that good to know? You're not alone and you don't need to be lonely. Because God's placed you here. He's placed you right here in this body of believers. He's placed you here to be part of this family. By the way, this family is not flawless by any means. But it is a loving family nonetheless. Centered and founded on the eternal lordship of Jesus Christ. I do want to have you do one more thing. And that would require you all standing up. Because we're going to do something a little bit different here this morning. So set your Bibles and your other things off to the side. Nudge the person next to you that's sleeping. Let's all stand up. Yeah. Yep. We're going to do something a little different here this morning. And we're going to do this for just a couple of minutes, like what Pastor Kathy did with the timer. It's not going to take that long, I promise you. But I want you to try something. Now, I want you to go to someone that you've never met. That's the criteria. Not a person that you know, but someone that you've never met. It may mean that you're going from there all the way back there or whatever, or it could be the person you've been sitting next to for the last five years. But I want you to spend a couple of minutes, someone that you've never met, you've seen them, maybe you've even smiled at them, you've waved at them, but you've never learned their name. And I want you to go to them right now and just say, hi, my name is Brian, what's your name? And then maybe hug them, whatever, but I want you to find someone you've never met and the time starts now. It's good. Take about one more minute now. This is going by quickly. As you're watching this from home, you can do the same thing. Maybe people that, uh, not necessarily in your house, but find someone you've not met before, maybe at work or at school.
and just make yourself a friend this week. Come on back to your seats, everybody. Come on back to your seats, everyone. You know, wrap up these conversations. You guys exchange phone numbers. Whatever you got to do, you can call each other later. That's great. Excellent. As you're coming back to your seat, you can be seated. Sounds good. Everybody has found somebody. Now, how many met somebody? Everyone, now this side, you're being very obedient. These people here are being rebellious. Everybody, go ahead and have a seat. We're wrapping this up. How many met somebody for the very first time today that you've maybe, yeah, one, two, three, four. Look at all the hands. Oh, my goodness. You see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Where we go and meet people and hang out, just get to know their name, and then we're able to just love on them and say, hey, you know what? I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you the glory of my King, and I love you with the love of the Lord. Now, we take that same sort of uh, interaction that we had just then, and we do this on a regular basis, and we kind of force ourselves out of our little comfort zone boxes of people that we know, and we get to know some people that maybe might, uh, that we might be able to be a gift to, and then they can be a gift as well to us. So we see that our fellowship is founded on our faith in Jesus. That's the first one. Second one, we see that fellowship feels like family. And finally, as we begin to land this plane here this morning, fellowship forges friendships. Now, friends make all the difference. Young people, listen to me. Who you hang out with makes all the difference. Grown-ups, listen to me. Who you choose as friends makes all the difference. I can't stress enough how important it is to choose good, godly friends. Young people, as the new school year begins, choose your friends wisely. Choose people that will not get you into trouble. Choose friends that will not lead you down a dark and destructive path. Choose friends that have your best interest at heart and not one of destruction. Choose friends that are not going to use you for their benefit or for their gain. Find instead friends that are true and loyal and helpful and strengthening to you. Friends that will encourage you to do the right things. Friends that will encourage you to love God and to honor your parents and to live your life to the full in Jesus. Be the kind of friend you want others to be to you. In fact, this isn't just a good idea for young people today. It's a good idea for all of us. Amen? We need to be oh so wise as to who we allow into our lives as friends because they will either make us or they will break us. I think about David and Jonathan in the Bible as a great example of choosing good friends. These guys were best friends. They, they loved each other with a brother they loved, and they were deeply devoted to each other. Now, in this generation, in these days, <laughs> something like that sounds a little effeminate. But these guys were far from that. David killed a lion, a bear, and a giant. And Jonathan teamed up with his armor bearer on one particular day, and he took out about 20 of his enemies. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out and kill somebody or something to prove your manhood. Please don't do that. But my point is, guys, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with loving some guy friends and expressing it and having deep fellowship with some guys. Other guys, it's okay. Ladies, same with you. Choose some ladies who will point you toward Jesus and encourage you in your faith. Because you see, godly friendships are vital to our growth in Christ. 
Oftentimes they're forged in adversity. It certainly is the case with Jonathan and David. Just read their story. It wasn't a cakewalk by no means with them, but in the midst of their struggles, they stayed true in their friendship because that's what true friendship is. True friendship is a loyal friendship. We read in Proverbs 17, 17, that a friend loves at all times. Say that with me. All times. Say it with me. All times. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves how often? All times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. There's a loyalty to friendship that is, I believe, lacking in some of our modern day types of fellowships. A, a, a godly fellowship, a, a scriptural fellowship is a, 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 a friendship rather that is helpful. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Friendship Scripturally speaking, a true godly friendship is a friendship that helps in time of need. A friendship, based on what God's Word says, is also a strengthening friendship. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And hey, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Seek out those kind of friends. Friends that are loyal and helpful and strengthening. I'm also thankful that we have Jesus the Bible says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So thankful for the friendship that we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, amen? I love the scripture in Proverbs that actually is prophetic verse speaking about Jesus. And, and this is Proverbs 18, 24. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon, soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's speaking about Jesus. But I want us to be Christ here today with those around us. We can be that friend that sticks closer to, than a brother. Can I just sing one more song? I'm going to sing one more hymn. It's an old hymn. You guys know this one. Some of you that have been around for a while. Friendship with Jesus, fellowship divine. Oh, what blessed sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. About 10 of us knew that. Wow, let's do it one more time. Friendship with Jesus, fellowship divine. Oh, what blessed sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Used to sing that hymn a lot growing up, yeah. Jesus is our model of what true friendship should be towards one another. He never gave up on his friends. He was loyal. He was helpful. He was strengthening. And he continues to be that very thing for all of us today, for all who call him Lord. So let's be a loyal friend. Let's be a helpful friend. Let's be a strengthening friend. Let's be a friend that points others to Jesus. Amen? Let me wrap this up here this morning. True fellowship is founded and grounded in our common faith in the eternal lordship of Jesus. He's the central, foundational, the very reason we live and move and breathe and have our very beings. Healthy and helpful friendships are built upon the foundation of Jesus. Through this, we cultivate family. Going through stuff together where needs are met, love is unconditional, and devotion, it's non-negotiable. Some of my best friends and closest friends in my life are ones where we've gone through stuff together. Together through the fire of adversity and challenge, we bond as we help bring strength to one another, creating a loyalty that stands the test of time. I know Kelly is not only my wife and my, my lover, but she's my best friend. We've gone through so many things together, and we've just bonded together through it, through the good times and the bad. 
through the struggles and the joys, and that's what marriage is all about. I know there's times maybe you just want to just slap the very one that you feel like you need to hug instead, right? Or vice versa. But listen, that person sitting next to you, your spouse, is God's gift to you, and you are God's gift to that spouse. And I know sometimes you just want to strangle them, and sometimes you just want to just, you just want to just, you know. But those moments pass because you guys are still alive. Nobody's in jail. We're God's gift to one another. And as you go through those times, those difficult times, whether you're married or whether you're just here in this church and we're doing life together, those deep, intimate relationships, we're going to go through difficult times where you just want to say, I'm done with you, but we're not going to do that because we would never separate our hand from our body like that, would we? I'm not going to be done with you. Don't be done with me. Let's not be done with one another. Let's love one another. Let's have that sweet fellowship that is founded upon Jesus Christ and in him, that beautiful chocolate of Jesus, that luscious flavor of Christ in us. Oh, it's that common bond. I want to finish today by reading this excerpt from a book entitled Rediscovering Church by a man by the name of Bill Hybels, a pastor uh, here in the United States. It's, and it, he shares his experience as a young person growing up in church. And this is what he writes. It says, the Bible says true fellowship has the power to revolutionize lives. Masks come off, conversations get deep, hearts get vulnerable, lives are shared, accountability is invited, and tenderness flows people really do become like brothers and sisters. They shoulder each other's burdens. And unfortunately, that's something that few of the people in the church ever experience. In my church, it just didn't seem legal to tell anyone you were having a problem. Families that sat in the same pew for years would suddenly disappear because the husband and wife were in turmoil over marriage problems. Instead of coming to the church for help and prayer and support, they fled the other way because they didn't feel the freedom to say, we love Jesus, but we're not doing very well. Our lives feel like they're unraveling and we need some help. The implicit understanding was that you shouldn't have a problem and if you did, you'd better not talk about it in the church. I learned that lesson well. When I got old enough to stand on the church patio after services, someone would say, so Bill, how are things in high school? And I'd give the response that I thought was expected. Fine, Ben, I'd say, they're just great. I didn't feel I could tell him that my heart was being ripped to shreds because my girlfriend and I had broken up or that I was flatlined spiritually or that I had an older brother who was drinking too much and driving too fast and I was scared about where his life was heading. I didn't say anything because I felt that a good Christian just didn't admit to have those kind of real life difficulties and in many churches that's called fellowship. It shouldn't be. I want this church to be a kind of church that doesn't just skim along the surface, grab a hamburger and tell a joke and have a good laugh and say, well, that's church. I think maybe this week, I want to challenge you to try something a bit different in your times of fellowship with one another, starting maybe with your spouse, people in your home, your children, you know, but certainly people in this church 
as I said, I, I think too often we, we kind of just, we skip along in our lives kind of like a, a stone skips across the lake, you know, just kind of tip, tip, tip. A lot of activity, it's real pretty, it's pretty awesome, but there's just nothing to it. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper this week, this month, this year, in our lives. Maybe we can try and be a little more authentic, maybe a bit less surfacey, a, a bit less about ourselves and a bit more like the other person and more about the other person. Maybe in our times together we can center it more on the lordship of Jesus instead of the problems in this world or the problems that you're having or the whatever it would be. We foundationally have our relationships centered on the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe we can see what we can do to meet a need, to lend a helping hand, to be a listening ear. Let's pray. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this so we can experience true and authentic fellowship that goes beyond the fried chicken and the potato salad and moves into a place of help and strength for all of us as we experience times of life challenges and difficult journeys that we all go through. We can know that we can turn to one another and know that the Christ in you can minister strength and help and guidance and hope and comfort to me. Jesus can help us. By the way, his Holy Spirit will empower us to do it. May true biblical fellowship grow in, in all of us. And may it grow richer in your heart. May it grow deeper in this church, especially as we see the day of the Lord's return drawing near. I would like for you to stand with me this morning and uh, just bow your heads this morning. It's been a, a fun service. We've been able to get to know some people and sing a few songs and kind of laugh a little bit. But you've got to know too that in the midst of this, what I've hopefully tried to do and the Lord has tried to do is soften the ground a little bit to where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going through some tough stuff. And yeah, I've been very reserved and protected. And I've done this not just one day, not just one month, but I've done this for years. For whatever reason. But maybe just let the Lord unscrunch your face a little bit, you know? Because I know that Christ is in you. And He wants to come out to help others. Now, here's what I'm going to say that I know that maybe you're struggling right now with some situations and that true fellowship hadn't really been there. But as I said, not only are people a gift to you, but you're a gift to them. So maybe if you want to be blessed, go and be a blessing, you know? Maybe if you want to be helped, then go and help. Maybe if you want to be ministered to, then maybe go and minister to someone because you can't ever outgive God and that's how his economy works isn't it it's like whatever it is you need if you give it out he'll bring it to you so fellowship I hope maybe you'll go out and grab a hamburger with someone today it's a good start if you've never done that before take a step in that direction but maybe there's even more to it than that and maybe we can start right here and I don't know if maybe there's a situation, and I, could, I would normally say this coming up to the front, but I would almost feel like that the Lord would say, if you're watching from home and here today, 
that maybe as the Lord has spoken to you, and as I said earlier, maybe you've just neglected it, you've avoided it up to this point, but maybe today is the day where the Holy Spirit is prompting you, go and pray for that person. Just go and put your arms around him. Go and open up your mouth, and I'm going to give you some words to say. And let's maybe get a little bit deeper into this fellowship, and let's take the few moments that we have left here today, and very reverently, lovingly, carefully, take the time as the Lord leads you and just be a gift to someone today. Instead of looking for someone to be a gift to you, maybe go and be a gift to them. Take a step in that true, authentic fellowship and let Jesus speak through you. Let, Let the luscious deliciousness of Jesus come out. He knows what to say through you to that person. He knows what to do through you with that person. So, I'm not going to have eyes closed and heads bowed. We've already asked Jesus in our hearts during communion. I believe if the Lord would come back right now, this place would be emptied out. Vacated of all human beings. But right now, maybe there's a struggle that the Lord is drawing you to pray for someone. Just go up to someone. You've already gotten out of your seats once. I'm going to ask you to do it again. And I'm not going to dismiss this service now, but I'll dismiss it when you feel like the Lord has done through you what needs to be done. Then you're dismissed. Take however long it needs to be. It could be just a moment. It could take a while. But let's not be in a hurry. But let's encourage one another. Let's help be a friend to someone in true, authentic fellowship. Holy Spirit, empower us, direct us to what that needs to happen right now. Uh, Give us the courage to step out from what we've neglected or avoided up to this point. We're going to do it right now. We're going to move out. I encourage you now to move out. And if the Lord's not speaking to you, that's fine. Maybe it's not here, but maybe it's at your house or at your workplace or your school. But do that this week. And let's be a friend and have true fellowship with our believers. Maybe it's on social media. Maybe it's someone 3,000 miles away, a relative, whoever it would be. Act upon that at this moment. I now dismiss you to go and do what the Lord is calling you to do, whether it be outside of this place or whether it be inside of this place with others. But let's just take some time as the music is playing and let's just minister to one another. God bless you.